Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about oaths. Please don't turn off the episode yet. It's actually a more important subject matter than you might think. Uh, Why is that? Well, I'm not going to tell you because I'm hoping that you'll continue to listen to this episode. Uh, Why are oaths and honesty so important in Jesus's mind? Well, we're going to talk about that. And we're going to dive in right now. Now we're live. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Hi. Welcome to a farcical situation where Aaron's trying to send emails. <laughs> a destined not This to is a working podcast today because I'm doing my other jobs while trying to do a podcast. I will just recite poetry um, or something. Perfect. How's it going, Alex? It's going wonderful, thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm yes, I. Uh, Good. Loving life with my new beloved pet. Um, who is Are now you though? I am. She's amazing. I have a dog. For those of you that don't know, uh, huh. that we just bought, and she's a, a gem. Although she does uh, occasionally go to the bathroom in the house, but actually, even that, I've learned to just like clear up and move on, uh, and just, just be thankful for wooden do. floors instead of like carpets which must make it far more difficult um <laughs> but yeah she's like learning stuff i'm quite impressed by her capacity to learn to be honest yeah yeah she just seems like intuitive it seems seem like we've got some kind of an uh, dog human bond going on we just i tell her what to do and she does it unless there's something more interesting <laughs> to do so it's not a question of understanding it's a question of will and passion. Oh yeah, that's how our little little dog is. I'm back yeah. mentally. Okay, well done. You're no longer thing, like yeah. trying to multitask. Uh, I can always tell when you're not really paying attention. You have this far away look that you're just kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so our little dog is is really really mm-hmm. smart. Learned everything like two tries. Mm-hmm. Sit, stand, stay, yeah. whatever. In in the safety of our house. Brilliant. Genius yeah. dog, right? But then he is so high anxiety that, like, you get him outside mm-hmm. and he's terrified of the universe, mm. terrified of his own shadow, and he cannot listen because he's so scared of everything. Uh. And he's just like, oh man. And you're just like, dog, chill. Yeah. But yeah. then inside, he's like, hey, I love my family. And you're like, sit. And he's like, okay, stand over there. Okay. <laughs> I didn't even teach you that, and you know what I'm talking about. Someone said the other day, like, that that happens so often. You get a dog for your anxiety, you get a dog with anxiety. <laughs> and then our other dog's the exact opposite. Well, dumb as a dorn... As a, <laughs> as a, I don't know, dumb as a something. I actually would say, your other dog looks dumb. Like, actually, it's like an appearance. Well, she's actually not. <laughs> when she was younger, we didn't put a whole lot of effort into it because she was so laid back, it was fine. And then... As a dog ages and becomes a little bit <coughs> extra chubby, and we don't mm-hmm. invest any extra energy, yeah. it just the appearance of stupidity just increases. Okay, over that's time. fair. Yeah. Anyway, so anyway, so that's what's going on with me. And um, yeah, it was, uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm good to the point that people are interested. Uh, how are you? You know what, Alex? I've been really feeling. No shit. <laughs> we got a couch right lay down. Just leave it. You really down. feel. Um, I'm just dandy. I'm excited to be on the podcast uh, talking about oaths, right? I think so. That's what we talked about. I'm all mixed up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oaths, because everyone is, I know most people, when they wake up in the morning, they pop their head off the pillow and they're like, 
What do I do about oaths? I made some oaths today. Was it the right thing to do? Tell me more about it. Like, what's... Yeah. Like, we've had so many people write in and say, what should I do with oaths? Yeah. As you can tell, I'm being cheeky and... Now, uh, interestingly, I didn't I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but I do think we do make more oaths than we think, at least, like, internally. Like, yeah. like we, we may not speak them out, but I think we... There's a great episode of the TV show uh, Frasier where the dad is talking about... They're talking about bargaining, like or bargaining as a stage of grief specifically. Huh. Um, you know, like Frasier's like lost his job and he's like, what do I have to do to get my old life back? And he, he believes like God has told him, take better care of your fans. And all his family think this is absurd. Like, you know, what's the thing? But, but then he, he, his dad says, like, I know what you're talking about. Like when I got shot... Um, as a cop, I made a deal with God. Um, I said to him, if you let me live, I'll never drink another bottle of beer again. Um, and his son looks at Niles, looks at him and he says, uh, so, but dad, you, you drink beer all the time. And his dad looks at me and says, not in bottles, baby. <laughs> like, that's like the get out. And, and I think like we, there's probably some of us that would say we we do make some promises to god oh i'll do this if you do this like if you keep my family safe in this middle of this thing like if you help me get through cancer if you um uh, yeah it goes on and on i think so it, i do think there, there is an oath making part of us that, but that's like with a lot of those examples are like oaths with god right but i think we we see it in marriages um, if you if you forgive me, I'll never do such and such again. Yeah, never have another affair. Never like like throw a punch. Never. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 probably more common than we think. It's just not as it's just not in a similar pattern or framework to. We're not conscious of passage. it, and it's and it's different stuff. Right, we're not swearing by temples. We're not swearing by yeah. even by flags or by bald eagles or whatever else. Um, bald eagles. Yeah. That's have you ever sworn right? by a bald eagle? Oh, I haven't, because I'm not American. I assumed you had. The, is that what Americans do? I don't know. I'm a bad American. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm still asking all these questions 10 years in. Like, what, what do you guys do? Um, and you're the wrong I'm, person to I'm ask. I'm not the best representing. <laughs> yeah, if you're wanting, like, a spokesperson for America. <laughs> don't ask I know the guy I that lived in part. Africa. Till I know I look the part, but I am not the part. Um... <laughs> I love America. I just I didn't don't know. Love it. I just said, yeah, you just you lived in Africa until you were eleven. Yeah, like you, you got your awareness of stuff is so. So yeah. the other uh, element of oaths that I think, which I don't think you even necessarily got a chance to get into here, but I think it's also true. We make oaths or vows with ourselves. Uh huh. Sometimes consciously, yeah. sometimes subconsciously, and if you've ever done like some deep counseling work or. It's called like Splunkna or something like that, where a lot of the times they'll they'll work their way back into your past. A counselor will, and they'll get to the place where they they say, you know what, at this incident, um, you decided to operate in the world in a certain way because mm -hmm. you were harmed or because of a piece of some trauma, yeah. and you decided I will never do this thing again, mm -hmm. and you've abided by that. And now that vow or that oath that you made with yourself is coming back to haunt you. 
Yeah. Which is fascinating. It is fascinating. And uh, I, yeah, have occasional moments where I'm like, what happened to eight-year-old Alex that he would do this or that or feel this or that? Like, Yeah. Um, so, um, well, as, as sort of jokingly dismissive as, as we're like, yeah, we don't make oaths, but, you know, we might happen more a little bit more often. You actually twisted this message yeah. partway through. So can you describe how maybe there's an, the expectation of what we think we're talking about when it comes to oaths and how you sort of bridge to the modern context? Yeah, because so, hermeneutics so yeah, I, term. I, I would love to do that. I, I would say in terms of like making oaths to ourselves or I, I don't know if Jesus would necessarily say, don't do that or do do that. I, I don't think he would say it was the same as the thing he's talking about here. Yeah. Um, but because this very much lands in the realm of how you present yourself to other people. Like it's, it's very inter interactional. It's very interpersonal. Um, I would say um, as most of the, the commands he works around in the Ten Commandments are that they're almost all human-to-human -human interactions. So while accepting that we don't use a lot of oaths uh, on a, like a, a human level, we don't promise a lot of things based on, I swear to you in God's name, like in playgrounds, you probably still say, I don't know, it's been a long time since I was in a playground, but you used to say, cross my heart, I hope to die. Like to prove you were telling the... You know, I swear on my grandmother's grave. I swear on this, like to yeah. prove that you are telling the truth. Yeah. Um, but 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 uh, I don't know that we do that as much uh, as adults. The, the the part of Jesus' text that is specifically related to us today, I think, is the last verse. So I'll read the whole passage again. You have heard it that it was said to long people long ago: Do not break your oath, but fulfill the to the Lord the vows you have made. Um, seems to suggest that Jesus treats the, the term vow and oath as synonymous. Um, and there's multiple places in the Old Testament. It says something close to this. There's never a verbatim quote. Um, as we'll find this week with eye for an eye, like there's, you know, there's times where he says life for life, eye for eye. There's times where it has specific contexts. But there'd become a general principle in Jesus' day around oaths and, and some similar statement. Yeah, I would keep reading, but I can't read it because you've covered it up. Well, my bad. I'm trying. I was trying to get on the <laughs> on the screen, but for some reason, my screen thing. But isn't I can't working. see the screen. Carry on. <laughs> but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is foot his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great King. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black unless you use hair dye. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. And I think while we might not swear any of those different oaths that are up there or anything even vaguely similar, the yes or no, like you let your yes be yes, your no be no, I do think that's a struggle. Even like my kids will jokingly ask me something and they'll be like, will you pinky swear? And yeah. I will say to them, no, I don't do that. Like, no, I, when I say yes, I mean yes. Except if I'm joking, <laughs> which they, I think they I, at like eight have to tell the difference between. I think I drive my kids nuts because I say maybe a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want to commit either direction. Interesting in our house, Laura definitely says maybe a lot. Like, I'm very much like yes is default. 
which causes a lot of problems. <laughs> um, and isn't better or worse than being maybe or no, but yeah, I, I don't tend to use maybe very much, I don't think. But, but that language of like, let your yes be yes and your no be no, to me, it touched very much on how we interact with human beings around us. Um, we manipulate conversation, I think, in, in ways that implies yes, but is really no, or um, that, that moves the conversation in a particular way to get us what we want or we feel like we need. Um, and, and I think the specifics of that were we use it to manipulate people in conversation so we can have more, like something in us tells us I don't have enough. If I get that extra sale, if I get that um, deal, if I get that agreement, then I'll be good. Yeah. Um, and and it, it works in our, um, in our sense of like self as well in terms of the way we devalue ourselves and the way we need people to approve of us. Um, and so even I'm always even amazed just how hard it is when someone says, Oh, have you seen this movie or you read this book to say, Oh no, I haven't seen that. Like something like tells me anyway, like, Oh, I'm left out. Like I'm miss, I'm missing out. Like, you know, like that I haven't seen the latest thing. I haven't like, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I think that's very much true when you're younger. I There's, feel like I tell you, I haven't read that book so much because yeah, you've read you so many books <laughs> i'm just like at first i tried to keep up with like maybe i'll read that book too and then i'm like no i haven't read like the enuma leash or something that you've read <laughs> like i have although i just bought it um uh so like i just can't keep up with all the books you yeah, read well, so that i just well, got comfortable got... i haven't read that book <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well i was trying to find something obscure but you're like uh, oh have you I, i've seen i'm like oh yeah i've seen this movie you're like have you ever read the book i'm like no yeah, no, I haven't. Yeah, and and so i <laughs> yeah and maybe maybe that specific struggle is just more for me because like yeah, I want to have read every book. I don't know why. It's just part of me that wants to have read every book. I don't want people to have read books I haven't read. Weird quirk of being me, I guess. Maybe that comes to talk about that. What's books. going yeah. on? What happened? What with happened to eight-year-old eight-year-old Alex, Alex that he has to read every book? Yeah, yeah. What? What? Yeah. I um, and I don't want to uh, open the closet too much. There's too many <laughs> skeletons there. But I remember going to the library with my class for the first time as an eleven-year-old. And taking out the biggest book I could find. I don't know why. Just did it. Like, no idea. I can remember it. And never reading it. It might have been Lord of the Rings, actually, which bizarrely now I've read, I read like every year. So I'm yeah. trying to make up for it or something. Um, Interesting. But, but I think there are lots of people that, that, um, that bend the truth in that way. Something about them says, like, no, if I... If I don't have this, then I'll be missing out, or or I'm not enough. So some, so some of what the the modern equivalent of oaths are is this desire to use our voice and our words to craft and shape people's perceptions of us. Yeah, yeah, and so to like influence, yeah. make people look slightly even if it's just a slight fib or even a slight exaggeration just to make people perceive us as 
smarter than we actually are, cooler than we actually are, more knowledgeable, whatever, fill so in the, the two, blank. the two I gave were to convince people to do something that will make us richer or whatever, or to compensate for the fact that we don't feel like we're enough internally. And yet both of them are actually questions of our identity. So the, the list I gave were, it might be to get a payout, to receive a bonus, to make the sale, to find a date or get a date, to get a better deal uh, than you would have had otherwise. It might be to feel significant, might be to be accepted, might be to look good, might be to have it all together, might be to get a second date. Like, you know, uh, there's a broad spectrum of things that, that we might need from other people in order for us to, to have more or, or to believe we're enough. Yeah, so like, um, I think I've told this story in a different context, maybe even on the show, about when I broke my voice. Yeah. So I kept thinking about this while you're preaching. Um, yeah, when I damaged my vocal cords, I'd do eight weeks of complete silence. Wow. And I had no idea how important my voice was to that, my world. Yeah. And it, you, there's a few things. Like, I'm the worst pastor south. So there's a few things that a lot of people. <laughs> for a second, you said I'm the worst pastor at South. I, yeah. Well, like, that is that's also not true. true at all. That's also also true. No. The ratings are in. I'm the worst pastor at South. No, I'm the worship pastor. The worship pastor at South. <laughs> so there's some obvious challenges to not having a voice. Yeah. That uh, everyone would naturally jump to, but then, so I was like, yeah, it's going to stink to not be able to sing, but. What I had no idea about was how important my voice is to how I function in the world. Mm. And I, I'm a big, loud, uh, opinionated human being. But with, very nice as well. Like, I that, did, yeah. Yeah, that has learned over years how to be very influential uh -huh. in a lot of different environments that I'm in. Yeah. But the thing I use... To be to gain that influence is my voice. Yeah, I compliment people. I encourage people. They start to think more highly. Oh, this person likes me. Therefore, I'm going to listen to more what if he's what he says. Therefore, he gets more of what he wants because he's nice to this. You know, and on and on it goes. Yeah. And it was like when I lost my voice, I became this big, oh, and my world shrunk so drastically mm -hmm. i had no idea what to do with myself within a week i was like who am i if mm -hmm. i'm not of a, a person with a voice well you see this and you see this like all the time with so many parts of human identity like why is it that tom brady took years to retire well, one joke was that he actually became a stay-at-home dad for two months. <laughs> he was like, no, I'm going back to work. Like, <laughs> like, like, but Aaron Rodgers, same deal, like pushing it, like got to get back, like, you know, yeah. blowing Achilles. And he's like, yeah, I could be back next week. Who knows? Um, it's it's an identity thing. It's like, who am I if I'm not an NFL quarterback? Like, I, you know. Yeah. I, th there was this really uh, popular TV show uh, in the last like few years called Succession. Uh, and one of the crescendo moments is the the whole thing is unraveling and and the family is figuring out, can they keep the business? The dad is now dead. Like they're, they're mm. kind of fighting with each other. And there's this moment where the, the he's not even the oldest somebody, he postures as the oldest son. Uh, this moment where Kendall Roy says, uh, if I don't get to do this, I don't know who I am. Like, like wow. it's, it's just this real moment of honesty of just how much he needs the position to function at all as a human being. 
Um, and that actually, like, it's a very real possibility that if he doesn't have it, he'll kill himself. Um, because there is no story for him outside of that. We, we, we tie to those things so easily and approval of other people is a big driver. Yeah. And, and think about, so like, um, you know, Dallas Willard does this strange thought experiment. He says, imagine, so imagine your will without a body. Hmm. The only reason we can exist in God's universe with any sense of like uh, fullness is because we can actually exert our will into the universe mm -hmm. in various ways. But if you had no body, what's the point of having a will? Yeah. Because you either will use your physical body to manipulate objects, interact with things, experience things, whatever. Um, or your voice. And there's like this inexorbitant, like the book of James, I'm actually preaching on the passage about the tongue. The book of James talks about the tongue having this um, extra powerful, like it's a small member of the body, and yet it has this inexorbitant amount of power to exert our will into the world. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so voice, and this is all about this kind of idea of, mm -hmm. of oaths, where we try and exert our will into the world. And some of that's um, fine, but the nuance with oaths is that when we try and kind of bend some the bend reality with our words mm. to try and play the universe into our favor, yeah, and usually from some mistaken premise, um, you know, the one is that being richer or being more successful or having the right relationship will ultimately make us happy. Yeah. Um, I loved that there was a, and I'm trying to remember if I've I talked about this before. I think I did. The, the writer, Patrick Lencioni, uh, is a Catholic leadership guru. He talks about like how he had no joy in anything in his life for 12 years. Wow. He, he had this moment in church where he was listening to the the Catholic priest talk about the, 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 the parable of the sower. Yeah. And he was kind of like, well, yeah, I'm kind of like the third guy, like a lot of weeds and, he said in that moment, I prayed like, God, I, I want to be the good soil. And God said to him, are you sure? Uh, which I just love. Uh, but yeah, the, the, mm. there's so many of us, so much of us believe oh, if, I, if I just didn't have to stretch for my car payment every month, life would be good. Yeah. Um, if I had a little bit extra and there are some joys there. Yeah. But if, if that's your goal for, for happiness, it actually just there's always another thing there's always okay. a always okay so if so is that what this passage is, is saying like that the the problem with oaths is that a lot of times the thing you're trying to acquire is bad well fair enough but what is there another like more sadistic behind the scenes reason why why does jesus care about this why why does he want his people? He's like, I'm setting up a new kingdom. It has all these new sets of rules mm -hmm. of how things should function. And my kind, my people are the kind of people who don't do the oath thing. Well, I, well, I, th I think I would say, and obviously did say, um, that identity in Christ is the key driver be behind, um, or a lack of it is a key driver behind these things. So when you enter into a, a world of manipulating other people uh, to, to convince them to do something, 
to compensate for your own lack of self-worth. Both of those have the same fundamental problem. The, the identity doesn't rest in who Jesus is and what he did. And, and that actually, fascinatingly, all sorts of things that used to matter no longer matter mm. when that identity is really correct. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's that to me is the fundamental heartbeat of the passage that that that's that's what the Pharisees have turned oath making into. It's just manipulative enough. Uh, it allows them to have this veneer of of spirituality, but but to manipulate others to to operate almost in this sneaky kind of way to slip out of deals when it becomes convenient to them. And and I would say if their motives are similar to ours, and, and I have every reason to believe humanity hasn't changed, it's primarily because of those two things. Hmm. Um, yeah, like yeah, they, these guys were significant guys in their day. Um, yeah. So you, so you did also get into some practical recommendations about okay, how do we deal with that kind of sentiment that's in us? And one of them is like. Uh, You've already sort of alluded to it. It's spend more time meditating on your identity in Christ. But are there other, practically speaking, how do we become the kind of people that aren't as inclined towards fronting as you described it? I did use that word fronting, uh, which yeah, is to build a facade. Is is the same thing you see with buildings all over the place that have a great exterior front elevation and then behind are, are a mess and, and actually depending on where you are there's more or less of these um detroit yeah, has our church is the opposite of that. yes absolutely our church so we is, have yeah, this, yeah. this ex- we, we interiored or whatever the term is there yeah um, <laughs> it's an internal mask yeah you know, absolutely like, yeah, yeah, like yeah the outside yeah. is a sort of rundown no it's not even that rundown anymore but it's just a plain old strip mall, and yeah. then as you move deeper and deeper and deeper, it's a little bit more nice. A little and bit neat. better, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but but there are these built like Detroit has loads of these houses that look spectacular on the front, like they huh. look like old like brick masterpieces, and then you get behind, and it's kind of like no, it's just it's the same it's siding, it's kind of like stud walling, it's like but from the front it looks incredible. Uh, knowing that that's the thing that people notice the most. Um, there's buildings that are designed to look one way and, and they're nothing behind them. There's uh, I mean, all sorts of, sorts, of, sorts of different ways that, that that's reality. And it's become this slang term now to, to present this facade. And I think it's a good definition of what's going on here. It's a facade. And, and especially when you relate it to Matthew 23, where Jesus yeah. talks about all the way, he actually uses more language similar to this about specific ways the Pharisees are manipulating conversations. And um, and it's all tied into his big hypocrites. It's like, it's almost like Jesus rant. It's like about as close to that as he ever gets, huh. where he just takes one group of guys and just unloads on them. Um, so when you come to remedy that, like for me, so I used centering prayer as an example on Sunday. And I think if you're not familiar with that, centering prayer is complicated because it's, it's quite Eastern feeling. Um, it's got some like elements of meditation or which, which aren't, there's nothing wrong with those things in actual fact, but, but the Western Christian view of them has been a little skewed. So, so I always kind of joke with people, if I'm in a provocative mood, I, I will generally say to people, if you, if you're uncomfortable with an Eastern religion, don't follow Jesus because he started one. 
Uh, and, and now whether Jesus really came to start a religion is, is, a, is a fair question, but, but, but we're inherently an Eastern-based religion. Like we, we may have Westified it, Westified. but it's not a town. I don't know if that's a town, but, but we're, definitely, we're definitely an Eastern faith. And so things that have been done for centuries, now millennia of Christianity, are, have a lot of Eastern elements. Centering prayer is, is one of those. It's a, it's a, it's a posture of silence with an invitation to God to work in amongst you, to bring things to the surface that are hidden, to, to, to reveal untransformed areas for transformation. Um, yeah. And, and to, so why, why, okay. Centering prayer. Mm-hmm. Why is that helpful when it comes to oaths? Well, well, well I think it's, I think it's useful when it comes to identity and and therefore any time that your identity is more rooted in Jesus that you're actually going to struggle less with these things because you're going to realize that actually like when Porsche says you can buy salvation for $150,000 you actually can't um yeah like when you feel like not having read a particular book or not having paid off your mortgage or not having enough put away for retirement or not having been the perfect parent when you when you recognize that all of those don't define you, you're actually less tempted to 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 manipulate conversation. To so so, so I think that yeah, hmm. that there's a there's a theory that uh, maybe theory is the wrong term. I, I have a suspicion that most of us as followers of Jesus don't really believe about us the things he says about us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, I would love to linger on this concept because I think the recommendation to do centering prayer sort of reveals this, the antidote to a lot of the things Jesus is talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. Like if you haven't noticed, if you've been following the Sermon on the Mount series, you may have noticed this is a pretty hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it, it gets down and it gets under your skin and you start to be like, ah, I'm a... I'm a murderer and I'm an adulterer and I'm a liar and I'm mm-hmm. a like all the worst things that you, yeah. the all the ten commandments things that I shouldn't be mm-hmm. I am those things mm-hmm. according to Jesus' definitions and then you're sort of left in this puddle on the floor like what the heck do I do now <laughs> and stuff like centering prayer says oh you have to get past the surface issue way down into like eight year old mm-hmm. Alex or six year old Aaron or uh, what, why don't I believe that my identity is secure in Christ? And that takes like, that's some heavy, hard, emotional, confusing, convoluted stuff to try and navigate through because you have to, you have to do that work in order to even engage a passage like this with yeah. any sort of honesty. I, th- I think so. And, and I think and now at the same time, like it's not just a feeling I I remember the first time I heard the Michael W. Smith song, I Know Your Name. Do you know that like song? It's kind of, kind of almost got some cheesy elements to it. It's got, it's got he like, knows my no, 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 name, no, no, not that no, one. No, 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 no. Uh, yes, I know your name. Every prayer you've prayed. Uh, my child, I've always known your name. Huh. Um, no. no, no. And it's it's got all the synth to it. And so it's a little like 80s feeling almost. But, but the lyrics just like, I remember the first time just like blubbing like a... a 10 year old because just it was so much what i needed to hear 
Yeah. Now, sometimes just the desire can be to always have that feeling. Like, always yeah. have the, te- the feeling of, like, post-tears, post-the-cry, where everything feels fresh and new. And that that's not a spiritual reality that Jesus ever suggests we should be chasing. Uh, but but that, like, conscious awareness and, and different action, because we become deeply aware of, of what God says to us and uh, all says about us. The, the uh, Catholic uh, speaker, um, Brennan Manning, talks uh, he in one of his sermons said he was convinced that at, at the resurrection for followers of jesus there would only be one question which was did you believe i loved you did, did you believe i was deeply passionate about you did you believe i i longed for you um mm. uh, and and i think a lot of us are like suspiciously like I, I don't know that that's true or i don't often feel like that's true and I don't therefore live like that's true. And so, well, what do I do? I, I try and make sure this world gives me all of those things. Uh, and this world tells me that the bigger the house, the more successful I am and the more valued I am. And um, so, so you end up chasing those things. And that, that makes the Sermon on the Mount harder and harder to live up to the further and further you get into it. Because if you can't deal with this, where Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no be no, how do you handle it when he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, someone humiliates you in front of a bunch of people? How do you handle that? When someone says, when when Jesus then says, you have to love your enemies, the very ones that are trying to destroy everything that you have and everything that you own. uh, How are you going to do those things? if you don't have an identity that's rooted in something else. Wow. Yeah. And it's not just a belief that God loves you. It's actually a multifaceted belief that about who God is and that that yes. particular God loves you because, okay, it'd be one thing if I believed a human being loved me uh-huh. genuinely. Like I mm-hmm. believe deep down inside that my wife loves me, but she also like, doesn't have infinite capacity no. to provide for me. No. And so it's great, but it can't fulfill the cavernous void in my soul. Absolutely. Um, so you have to both believe that God is this um, incredibly powerful, incredibly good, incredibly a magnificent being, and that that God who is so pure and so beautiful and so magnificent mm-hmm engages and loves you at the same time so like and then what but but if you can believe that it becomes a power and a uh capacity to engage these hard things yeah and it's unparalleled i would suggest all of the sermon on the mount like the the antidote to every single one of those struggles is identity wow like you you don't like when you think about how he talks about adultery and lust uh, what was it was it facebook that when they started like the, the driving question behind the relationship status was like that's what defines life at college are you having sex or aren't you like that that's how you identify self-worth um well no if your identity is in christ actually that no longer defines your self-worth yeah um like like that 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 root problem is is the root problem i guess behind all sin like behind the the genesis story um with adam and eve behind the Cain and Abel story, they all go back to that. And so, wow. um, 
So I, I think that centering prayer is one of those few spiritual disciplines that I'm aware of that really takes me to that place of saying, God, work on what you need to work on. I, I'm here as like a passive but engaged participant. I, I, I can't yeah. do any of the work in me, but I can just reflect to you I'm here for the work. Yeah, and so this is part of the power of spiritual practices is they oftentimes are tools that enable us to encounter our actual feelings mm -hmm. about the world around us, our actual feelings about ourselves and God and others. They're tools that enable us to begin to believe the truth of who God says we are, their tools, mm -hmm. all these sorts of things. So one of them that's really helped you is the centering prayer. And, and I, are there I, others that like you well, find are really well, powerful? I, I mean, I, yes, there definitely are. And before we, we go to those, I would say for this, I always, I, I, I don't think this is an original thought to me by any means, but I do feel like spiritual disciplines quite often come in pairs. Like there's quite often a passive one and an active one that work really well together. Like a passive one is you not doing something. Um, it's like setting some space aside for God to work. Like silence is in, it's hard, a passive spiritual discipline. Centering prayer is a passive spiritual discipline. And then there's an active one that where you're actually doing something. Um, and so a practice of honesty actually intentionally going into conversations with the ah, determination so to yeah. be honest about who you are um, and actually realizing that then you'll meet some of the most interesting people. I was selling a car uh, not long ago and, and I was chatting to the guy that, that owned, that wanted to buy it. And we were just talking about how hard it is to, to do that as a transaction now. Cause I said, huh. you know, I said, I said to this guy, Josh, I said, look, Josh, I, I like, as far as I know, there's no major problems with this car. And to, to do that, I've had it checked out. Like Mazda have looked at it. They said, there's, there's nothing like super serious. There is, I took it for a drive. And I said, there's this slight like sound that comes up occasionally when you're taking a corner. Um, and they've said, it's this, but, but like, I, I don't know. Um, all I can do is tell you what they've told you. And he's like, yeah, I totally get it. Like, I appreciate you trying to be honest. Like, we're trying to listen for the sound and then the car's not doing it at all. And I'm like, no, no, like sometimes like when you do this and like, we're, we're just trying to get into all the details of exactly like who's selling what. <laughs> well, I'm to telling who. you, it's broken. Yeah, yeah. I promise. <laughs> that this is a piece of junk yeah, car. You yeah. should not buy it. <laughs> but it's also not a piece of junk car. And if you want it, like it's yours, but. Uh, <laughs> That's funny. And, and like, but just trying to, to be to be honest and fair with someone. I actually described that at some point in a sermon a while back as, as participating in the flow of life. L like there's, 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 there's a, almost a principle in life that when stuff stops flowing or, or water stops flowing specifically, it tends to stagnate. It tends to become rotten. And a great example yeah. of that is the Salton Sea. Like yeah. the Salton Sea has no outflow. It's below sea level. It can't go anywhere. Yeah, it can't so it, climb any hills. Yeah, yeah, and so it just sits there. And now everything in it's dying. Like the fish are all dying. They're coming to the surface, which it means you can smell it from like two miles away. Um, and it used to be a paradise. It used to be like the place to visit. 
if you were in California and wanted fresh water, it was like the richest people went there. And now it's this place of death. Wow. Um, and and I I had this just this this picture that actually every time we try and manipulate somebody else, every time we try and like take advantage of someone to get our own way, every, every time we're more interested in our success than healthy, honest human communication, we actually were were stopping this flow of life um, that we're meant to participate in. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we have like we have, you know, household rules, but mm -hmm. one of the strongest household rules we have is to tell, to tell the truth. Yeah. Or to, and or did, to you, not lie. did you guys get that from? Because we got that from Andy Stanley, which I loved. Like that was yeah, one yeah, of his yeah. rules, and I was like, it's just so practical. Well, we had that prior, but oh, we did. we we actually after that parenting class thing that where he talks about mm -hmm. that, we narrowed it down. Like he has two rules: yeah, honor your mom, yeah, and tell the truth. Yeah, and and, and some of his arguments there it. is the dad always gets honored. Like that's yeah. that's scary. Like dad, yeah. like for the most part, he's like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, super fascinating way of uh implementing parenting stuff but and the reason telling the truth is such a cornerstone uh obedience issue is because every time someone lies they break relationship mm -hmm. and they know it yeah and so like what you're describing is like cutting you cutting yourself off from life uh -huh. yeah so you you one little lie you're like i don't need this piece of fresh water yeah. Cut it off. Yeah. And eventually you get you to a isolated. point where yeah, yeah. You, you don't even know you're doing it anymore. Yeah. Uh you're dying of thirst and unaware. And and yeah. That that so I I, I just think that like, that actually hmm. going into a day knowing you're going to practice honesty and it mo might not become natural. It might not become natural instantly. Uh the, I, I love the the spiritual principle of in terms of in terms of action, something is new, then it becomes normal, then it becomes natural. Um, yeah, and and that's you see that in like sports. You watch someone try and throw a football. Watch an English guy try and throw a football when he's never seen one before is hilarious. Like it just feels like it should be obvious, and yet like it's just yeah. Um, and and so it's new to start with, and then after a while it starts to feel normal, it starts to move as it should, and then you watch a guy throw it who's been doing it since he was four. You watch Tom Brady do it, and it like you watch Tiger Woods hit a golf ball, and you're like, oh my goodness, like I didn't realize that it could sound like that. It's like yeah. Jack Nicholas, the famous golfer, said the first time he went to see Arnold Palmer hit golf balls on the driving range, he was like, every time he swung the club, it was like a thunderclap when the when the club hit the ball it's like how do you do that like that's, that's, that's amazing not, um speaking uh, of the uh whole like uh a, a, an english guy throwing a football i saw this interview with um who's this like oh, oh man now i'm gonna feel like a non-football fan but the the coach of the miami dolphins it's like all the craze right now the coach uh, of the Miami Dolphins, Josh McDaniel. Yeah, is it Josh yeah, McDaniels yeah I think so. Anyway, Josh yeah. McDaniel's got fired by the Raiders. Anyway, so he's when they had their game in the UK, uh -huh. they were doing a post game interview, and one of the guys said, "You know, I've noticed this progression of your coaching style and your play calling. Um, it's and how fast it is. Like you used to do this, this, and this, and now you've been doing these kinds of play calls. You're between the lines, mm -hmm. and the coach just goes." Like 
oh my gosh, like you <laughs> understand football so well. And then the, then the same inter- interviewer like asked him another question that like, that was even deeper on his play calls. He's I like, love it. now you're just showing off. <laughs> like it was such a funny clip because this like this British guy just like really knows his yeah. football, American yeah. football. It's a big passion for a lot of guys over that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty awesome. Um, anyway, I don't know why that was related, but it was just uh, a, an hysterical. Clip, it was, so. it, it was, yeah, that, that new normal natural means that like, if you've practiced a life of dishonesty, I think I heard someone say it once, like, if, if you've been the sort of person that, like, every time your phone rings, you have to turn it over so nobody can see who's calling. Mm. Um, like, like that, that, might, as, that might be a reflex for a while. Um, and then actually after a while, you'll experience the freedom of actually just being able to leave it, like, the right way up because it doesn't matter anymore who's calling. Like, because there are no secrets to hide. Yeah. Um, and that's then you get to start to get a taste of just how wonderful that is. Um, yeah. That you no longer have to say like, "Oh yeah, I can, I, I can do that." Like it just, yeah, you like just you live that kind of life. Um, when you get to those spaces, you actually get that thing that we've talked about all the way through this. Like we're actually trusting that Jesus' way of living life is better. Yeah. Um, that that he doesn't just demand truthfulness from us he wants truthfulness for us because he knows when you live in that flow of truthfulness life is a much better space to live in when you're not worried about secrets you're keeping from other people and you're not worried about secrets they're keeping from you yeah actually life is a joyous thing well and i think just behind some of this basic let your yes be yes and your no be no it's it's fascinating when you I don't know if you've ever met someone who you, you just you know that that's how they live mm-hmm. when they give you an opinion you know it's truthful yes. when they say yes or no you you're co- super confident they're powerful human beings yeah Th- like they they don't front yeah so when you ask them a question and they say no I'm not available or yes I can or whatever or here's my opinion about the uh-huh. situation. They don't need oaths. They're like more powerful with a single yes mm-hmm. than a thousand oaths would have been. Yes. Ah, oh, it's like yeah, so, Jesus knows knows what he's talking about. He's like, just be the kind of person where you walk around and everything you say, people have complete confidence that you actually mean that thing. Yeah. You're more powerful than the the alternative. Yeah, I, I actually had this humbling moment some years ago that is is, is kind of related. Uh, this guy I was working with, he said to me, he said, like, you know, when I first met you, I thought, like, you just always talk too quickly and you always, like, had an answer for everything, you know, like, you know. And then I realized, like, you weren't just, like, making it up as you went along. You'd really, like, you know, you'd you'd read a lot and you'd thought through a lot of these things. And, like, maybe some of what he said was true, but there was a part of me that was, like, also a little bit, like, oh, that, like, hits a little close to home. Like, <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> like, so what you're saying is I talked fast enough to fool you all, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, man. Yeah, it, 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 it rang of, a, like, a, a second-grade teacher that told me I always had an answer for everything. I'm like, I, I love that he was the person that... You know, he was the guy that would come into the office and, and when he did announcements or call to worship, it was a deeply thought through thing. Yeah. Whereas for me, it was like I'd be walking up on stage with a text, like flicking through the Psalms, like, 
what can I do for a call to worship this morning? Um, and so I think when you meet those people that are deeply grounded, uh, their identity is in God, and that they're deeply, deeply rooted in the idea that that God has something for the world, for the community that they're in, for mm. them as individuals, and they they they're hungry to hear it. That's a yeah. special thing. So we didn't get any questions this week. Uh, we I... could theoretically have a 45 minute podcast 48 already 48 48 but i just i did want to ask one more question okay uh just so that we have a chance of going over an hour Uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 is there any other advice because this is such deep soul work like the surface it doesn't seem like deep soul work Mm. just tell the truth uh just don't lust just don't murder Mm. just or don't be hateful okay great and then the rubber meets the road and you're like oh my goodness how do i actually get down to the core of who i am and mess and fix the deep deep brokenness any other tips you can give people this week that they could try to really surface what's going on deep down inside so i think there's a a relational aspect that maybe is helpful that you know there's a whole bunch of people whose opinions you probably don't care about and that that might actually be okay uh, and then there's there's obviously God's opinion and thought, which which matters deeply, but he's actually almost like you can hide from that a little bit because he's not present in the room with you a lot of the time. You can, or at but, least but, visibly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I mean. You know, like you you can't see. But then there's all these people in your life that are, you're very close to. Their opinion deeply matters. If you're married, ideally, that person that's most deeply connected is is your spouse. Maybe kids. Maybe parents maybe roommates. Jesus talks about a lot of things in the Sermon on the Mount that are all interrelated, really. You can't just take them out and pull them and make them separate. So it might be that the thing that is causing you to struggle with this right now is actually a practice or a way of being in another area that that tells you this is the best, like this is the path of least resistance. This is the safe option. So so let's just pick a, a interesting. A, a, yeah, a, yeah. Let, let's pick a like an over the top example. If you really struggle with lust and you're having an affair, well then of course you're going to tell yourself, well it's better for my husband or wife that wife that I lie about it and they don't know, because it would really hurt their feelings to to know. Yeah, and I'm going to break it off one day. Let, let's take like let's step that down because that's like ratcheting the tension up really high. Let's say it's a pornography ad- addiction. Like it's it's like the language is like I, I can deal with it. Like I, I can get it under control. Not yet, maybe, but in the future, I, I'll get it, I'll get it fixed. But but in the meantime, like why hurt the person's feelings? Yeah. Um, and actually, like sometimes, sometimes you just have to deal with that issue and and it's going to allow you to live this honest kind of life. And then sometimes quite painfully and quite traumatically, there's this space to choose honesty as a practice, knowing that it will help you and the person you love get to the point of resolving some of these issues. And that like, that is, that, that's such a challenging thing. Like I have wrestled multiple times when uh. I've been in relationships with people, whether it's a staff situation, whether it's a, a friendship situation where someone's been caught in a way of living that isn't the way of Jesus. And they've said something like, I'm so glad I got caught. 
because yeah. now I can be honest. And every time I'm 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 kind of like semi tormented by this like thought process of like, are you? Like like I don't know anymore. Like I would have loved it if you'd been honest before you got caught. Yeah. Because that would have told me like, no, God is really working something in you. Yeah. I want to. I, but every time I hear a, a preacher that's like, yeah, I'm just so glad someone caught me, uh, you know, having an affair or embezzling money or all those different things because I really wanted to stop. I'm like, I, I, I don't know anymore. I, yeah. I, I, so so sometimes actually like learning to trust people with painful conversations. Now that probably takes some wisdom, probably takes some having people come alongside you and saying like, how might I do that? Am I getting a good read on that? Yeah. But it's really easy to practice years of dishonesty and never, never dealing with the issue that you're always going to deal with. Yeah. Um, it can almost become this self-fulfilling thing. Like, yeah. So like this could, this honesty, this radical honesty could be almost like, a gateway into a lot of healing in other categories yeah. is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yet the, the, it's hard. Like it's totally hard. Like I, I had multiple times when I was a youth pastor where I'd be going through like some, either some mini deconstruction of a theological point of view or a wrestling. Yeah. And, and I didn't just get up on stage at a youth event and just be like, let me just tell you like all I'm wrestling with here. Yeah. Like I got up and I did my job. I got up and told a bunch of young people that Jesus loved them. He had a plan and purpose for their life. Even when I wasn't sure he had a plan and purpose for my life. Yeah. Um, and so I don't, I don't know that, that that you can't take this to like absurdity. Oh yeah. Where it's not damaging. Um, but I also think that can be a really easy get out clause as well. That says I never have to get around to practicing honesty. Yeah. Um, Mm. Uh, and so so there's a wisdom there and and prob probably some some taking of wise counsel and things wow but um well it turns out oaths are more important to the conversation than i had originally thought so, well me too yeah yeah the, yeah it, it, we were sort of reflecting i'm in this preaching class at the seminary and um uh one of the one of the students their introduction was hysterical because she was saying um she part of her intro was like, yeah, I was excited to preach this profound truth. And then I opened up my email and I got my assigned text and I was mortified, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because, um, because the last thing I wanted to preach on was the thing that I was assigned. But then, uh, then she just killed it, knocked it out it. of the park. So good. But that kind of happens sometimes with the scriptures where you're just like, Oh, this one's irrelevant or this one, I don't want to go there or, 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 and sometimes those are the ones that, Oh, I think the so ones good. that carry the best as a sermon are the ones that you're deeply implicated in. Mm, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. Well, I'll never be preaching again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who was it that said, someone once said sermons are like love letters. They always reach their destination. Um, because a love letter is really written for the person writing it. Yeah. And a sermon probably is too, if it's a good one. Yeah. Uh, anyway, well, see you guys we love later. y'all. Thanks for tuning in. As we always say, like, subscribe, share. All the oh, we haven't done that in ages. <laughs> We're such a bad podcast team. Well, I blame me. I... I think it's delightful that we can honestly say we don't know what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> bye see you guys